Thanks for tuning in to Three Strands Podcast. You're about to hear an episode from our Sunday morning worship service. To learn more about Three Strands, visit our website, threestrands.church. Now listen, I don't know about you, um, about your fashion style anyway, but I've got to be honest. I've got a confession here. I love jorts, okay? I love them. Does anybody, everybody knows what jorts are, right? Because I asked a couple people yesterday, and some people were dead on. Others were like, I think it's, a, like, I thought everybody knows what that is, right? It's jean shorts, jorts. And so I love them. I think jean uh, shorts are one of the best inventions known to man, all right? But evidently, they've gone out of style these last couple decades, unbeknown to me. I didn't know. But there's a kicker. I have a wife, and I have a wife who lets me know these things, um, you know, that, that if it doesn't go with the flow of fashion, she will let me know. And so when I walk out of the closet with my jorts on, it's like a seventh grader breaking the school dress code. I mean, she's like, oh, no, 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 we're not doing that today. Nope, you go back in there and change those shorts, you know. And of course, you know, Chad and I have talked about this. I'm a grown man, right? I can do whatever I want to do. And so anyway, I went back in the closet and changed my shorts and uh, put on something decent. But I tell you that to ask you, if you have somebody in your life, like I do my wife, who will tell you what you need to hear at times, the kind of friend who will tell you what everyone is saying about you, it's kind of like the kid uh, who answered a simple question in his school workbook one day, and, and I'll put the picture on the screen here, but the question was, who eats the most at a picnic? You seen that one? The mosquitoes or the dog? And he puts, my dad, he's chubby, he has a problem. <laughs> Just being honest, right? Or maybe the little boy who wrote a letter to God. I don't know if you ever read those little books. Got the kids' letters to God, but I, I love those. And the, uh, one little boy said this. He said, Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all of everybody in the whole world. He said, There are only four people in our family, and I could never do it. <laughs> and, and again, he's just being honest, right? Kids are just brutally honest. But Well, in the Bible, there, there's a guy named Peter who never pulls any punches. You never had to guess what Peter was thinking um, because he said what he meant and he meant what he said. And in this very real and honest conversation that he had with Jesus one day, he asked a very simple but a very important question. And we're going to look at it in Matthew chapter 18 in verse 21. It says this, Then Peter came to him and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? You see, back in this day, the Pharisees were teaching that you had to forgive someone up to three times, but never more. And so what Peter did is he doubled that, and then he added one. And so he's feeling very gracious, and he's very, feeling very generous at the moment until Jesus responds. And in verse 22, Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven which when you do the math on that, that's 490 times. It's kind of like that social media meme I saw a week or two ago. It said, Lord, I'm at 489. You're going to have to help me, you know, because I'm about there. So, 
But now Jesus responds to Peter's exaggeration with an exaggeration of his own. And then he tacks on this story that we're about to read this morning to illustrate what he truly wants Peter and what he truly wants us this morning to grasp, to to really get, to understand. So let's look at the story he shares in Matthew 18, starting in verse 23. We're just going to read the, the entire story at once. He said this, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay. And so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned, to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master, and he begged him, Please, be patient with me, and I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him, and he forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. And he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor would not wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. And when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant. I mean, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Guys, the story Jesus told is very similar to the board game Sorry. Anybody ever played the board game Sorry? Yeah. In order to win at the board game Sorry, there can be no forgiveness. There can be no mercy, no grace, right? For those of you who have played, you know that if you really want to win at that game, you've got to be brutal. You've got to be cutthroat. I mean, the goal of the game is just to get all four of your colored pieces around the board one time into this safe place called home. But as soon as you venture out onto the board, get ready, right? Just saddle up and get ready because it's a lot like real life. I mean, you're going to have to go back a few spaces at times, which might feel like your career in real life. Or you'll get almost all the way around the board and then somebody will bump you back a few spaces or maybe all the way back to the beginning and you have to start all over again. And that's kind of like relationships sometimes in real life. Maybe you've had some of those where you just have to seem like I'm starting over again. I mean, in this game, it's every man for himself. And nobody playing against you wants you to win. You don't don't have any cheerleaders. They don't want you to get to the safety of home. That's the point of the game. And it's a lot like real life. However... As followers of Jesus, guys, we are not supposed to live our lives by the rules of the game sorry. Jesus said that forgiving others, it may be the most difficult thing that God asked you and I to do. When somebody abuses you, when somebody cheats on you, when somebody steals from you, and you have every right to be angry and mad or sad, Jesus said, we don't have the right to retaliate, and guys, that makes it tough, doesn't it? 
I remember when I was in the sixth grade, um, a kid stole my L.A. Raiders starter jacket while we were uh, on the handball court during recess, and I was mad. And uh, believe it or not, but back in elementary school living in California, I used to fight a lot. I know those of you who know me now don't believe that, but I, I did when I was a kid. And the kid that stole my jacket was mean, but I had had enough because I loved that jacket. And uh, I had a lot of pent-up anger in me back then, and I just went over on the playground and waylaid this kid and took my jacket back. And after the altercation, I remember my sixth-grade teacher, Miss Willisie, comes up, and she puts her arms around me, and she said to me, I would have done the same thing to that punk, is what she told me. And I was like, yes, I'm the man. You know, I thought I was the man. But, uh, he, and he was a punk. But while I was the hero that day, looking back, I see that I handled it the wrong way. Because when there is a fire, you can either pour water on it or you can pour gasoline on it. And I poured gas. But you and I should be in the business of pouring water on fires and making peace. We have to learn how to forgive. God makes it very clear that he wants us to, what he wants us to do in this area of forgiveness. But guys, listen, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's tough. And the good thing for us is that God understands that. He understands that forgiveness is tough. I mean, listen, think about this. Forgiveness, it may be the, the most difficult thing that God has ever had to do. Okay? I'm going to call time out while I go get this fruit that Adam and Eve ate from. Oh, that's a ball. I thought it was an apple. Okay. Is this anybody's ball? Stress ball? I'll hold on to it. Okay. It's just like class at school, man. You're sitting around to teach, and then kids are throwing rolling balls up at you. It's amazing. But yeah, think about that. It may be the most difficult thing that God has, has, has to do, right? I mean, think about it. The cross. The cross proves that it was not easy for God to forgive others. There was a high price that had to be paid, and Jesus had to pay it. And on that cross, God forgave me, past tense. God is forgiving me, still today, present tense. And God will continue to forgive me, future tense. But hey, if Jesus had to struggle to forgive others, I mean, don't we think that we should expect that it's going to be difficult for you and I at times as well? I mean, it's tough. I want to show you a video clip from a Lexington courtroom of what forgiveness looks like here in just a moment. But the backstory is that this man's son was a pizza delivery guy, and he was, a, he was murdered while he was being robbed delivering a pizza to an apartment complex. And the judge sentenced the murderer to 31 years in prison, but before he was taken to jail, the dad got up and he asked the judge if he could give the defendant a hug. Take a look at this.
I don't know if you remember that back in, in 2015, but that was very touching. Just a very touching display of what forgiveness looks like. And guys, that's just the beginning of forgiveness. I mean, every single day, that father is going to feel either sadness or anger because that man took something important from him. And so every day, he's going to have to work at forgiving what that man did. Because it is a completed action accompanied by an ongoing action, forgiveness is. And maybe a better way of saying it is this. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. Because this isn't an easy thing to do. You know, after you and I were born into the world, it didn't take long, did it, for our, for our sinful appetites to start taking over in our head and our hearts. And as we grow older, we get exposed to all kinds of dark stuff, from movies to music to people we work with or play sports with. And, and then we sit in church and we hear preachers talk about the forgiveness of God. And, you know, we believe we're forgiven, but we just don't feel forgiven, do we? And God says that we are a saint once Jesus has rescued us. But sometimes we don't feel like a saint. We feel more like a sinner. I mean, we believe what God says about us to be true, but we don't always feel it, do we? And we need to remember that we can't live a pure and holy life on our own. It's impossible. We can't do it. We weren't designed to do it. We need Jesus to live through us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit living through us to rid us of all the dark stuff. And guys, the more that God begins to occupy space in our heads and our hearts, the more our head and our hearts begin to be purified and clean. And that's why it's so important to read the Word of God every day and listen to Him speak to our hearts I mean, I, I tell kids all the time, what if you had your phone out and you got a text message from God? Would you read it? Anybody, Heck yeah, I'd read it. It'd be incredible, right? We have the Bible, a whole bunch of text messages from God. If you want to hear God speak, read, your, read the Word. Because it doesn't take long to, to turn on the news or read social media for just a few minutes. Guys, all around us, our world is so deceived right now. So many people are deceived and the way you beat that is when you feel something, when you see something, when you read something, filter it through the Scriptures. Filter everything through the Word of God and see if it comes out clean or not. Because if it comes out clean, that's God. If it comes out like, eh, that's not what God said, that's not God, that's you, that's them. Filter it through the Scriptures. Well, how many people I talk to nowadays about some controversial issue and their argument is two words. I think. Well, I think. That's wonderful. But it doesn't matter what you and I think. It matters what God says. And the way we know what God says is to read the Word. And so, so many people I talk to about different issues, where did you get that from? That way of thinking. And it's not from the Scriptures. I want to encourage you, challenge you, motivate you, dig into the Word to find the truth. God will not lead us astray. Every day, just read the Word. Another thing is don't, don't just you know, listen to the Bible preached on Sundays. Read it for yourself. And then also just start praying and talking to God every day. Every day, just spend a few minutes talking to God like He's your best friend because He is. 
And you know what I've learned over the years? Is I'm not praying to get God to line up his will with mine. I'm praying to get my will to align up with his. To say, God, where yet? What are you doing? What are you working at? I want to join you. I'm not going to pray and try to get you to join me in what I've already started. I want to ask you what you're doing, what you're up to, and then I want to join you. It's tough to do that if you don't pray. So do those two things. Read the word every day. Pray every day. A third thing, surround yourselves with Christian friends who make good decisions. No matter what age you are in this room, the people we spend the majority of our time with are going to influence us for the good or for the bad. I'm 48 years old, and if I spend time with people who are doing things that I shouldn't be doing, I'm going to start doing it too eventually. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but it's just a matter of time before influence will take over. And so surround yourself with people who love Jesus, who make good decisions so they can influence you in a positive way. And then the last thing I want to encourage you to do is get plugged in here at church and use the spiritual gift that God is giving you. He's given all of us a spiritual gift. Let's use it to serve other people here. This is just one big old family is all it is. And God has gifted each of us to do something unique and different. And let's use that gift for his glory. And guys, if we do that, over time, you'll begin to see what God has always said about you that you are forgiven, and that you're pure if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because it's the forgiveness in us that makes it possible for forgiveness through us, if that makes sense. You know what the truth is? This week, everybody in this room will play two different roles. Okay, We will be the offender, and we will be the offended. I guarantee it. It happens every week. You and I are going to hurt people, and people are going to hurt us. We're going to say and do things that rub some people the wrong way, and they are going to do and say some things that rub us the wrong way. But in those moments, we have to decide that we are going to live like Jesus. Well, what's that look like in those circumstances? Well, it means we're going to apologize and forgive quickly. That's what it means. There's going to be a moment. When you have to extend forgiveness, and there will be a moment when you have to receive it. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't do it slowly. Do it quick. Do it quick. Erasmus University did a study years ago about unforgiveness, and specifically the toll that it takes on the human body, where they invited participants in, and they said this to them. They said, we want you to remember a person that you've forgiven in your past. And when you have that person in mind and you can picture their face, we want you to jump as high as you can and touch the wall. And so participants would do it and then they would measure their jumps. And then the second time they said this. They said, now we want you to remember someone that you've yet to forgive. Someone that you're still angry at. And you'd really like to give them a piece of your mind. And then we want you to jump a second time, and they measured those jumps. You know what they found? They found that everybody's second jump was about three inches shorter than the first jump. The lead researcher said this. He said, a state of unforgiveness is like carrying a heavy burden. 
a burden that victims bring with them when they navigate the physical world. And he said, forgiveness can lighten this burden. Secular researcher, forgiveness can lighten this burden. You know, the word forgive in the Greek language, it literally means to send away, to send away. That when someone hurts us and we want to hold on to that pain, you know, that, that we don't pay them back. But Jesus tells us this. He says, take what they've done to us and send it away. Send it away. Specifically, send it to the cross and let him bear the weight of it. Now, listen, and I know this is not easy, so I'm going to give us two steps here. In order to do this, we have to remember two really, really important things about forgiveness. And the first one is this. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is not a feeling. I heard about a young mom who was disciplining her stubborn, defiant, three-year-old daughter who kept being mean to her younger brother. And finally, the mom just lost her cool. And she said, she said listen, I'm putting you in timeout. And so she takes her little girl and she puts her in the laundry room and says, sit down there. I'll be back in 15 minutes. I just need to calm down. And she shut the door. And she comes back in in 15 minutes, and her little girl is seated there on the laundry room floor with the laundry basket in front of her, just full of, of clean clothes. And the mom said to the little girl, now what do you have to say for yourself? And the little girl said, well, while you were gone, I spit on your socks, I spit on your underwear, I spit on your shirts, and now I'm just waiting for more spit. <laughs> How many of you are raising that kid right now, huh? Or how many of you were that kid growing up? How about that? Yeah. yeah. I'm just waiting for more spit. Guys, if we wait until we feel like forgiving someone, we'll never forgive them. You're never going to feel like doing it. Forgiveness, listen, is an intentional decision by mature adults who realize that we don't want unforgiveness to weigh us down like the research showed there. We don't want to live with a grudge in our hearts. We don't want that. Trust me, you don't want that. You know, it's like the old saying that bitterness does more damage in the container in which it's stored than on the object on which it's poured. You don't want to live with bitterness and unforgiveness. It will literally eat you up from the inside out. I remember my freshman year of college many moons ago now living in the dorm over at Cumberland and one night around 2 in the morning, 2 a.m., the fire alarm goes off in our dorm. And I had two dorm mates. One was a teammate of mine who went home every weekend. And the other was a golfer from Knoxville. And it was a Sunday night, and so there were just two of us there. And, and normally when this would happen, it's just a prank, you know, that somebody had pulled uh, the alarm. And we would just look out, shut the door, and then go back to sleep. But this morning, when we looked out in the hallway, it was filled with smoke. And the entire dorm had to evacuate and then stand out in the cold for like 45 minutes while they searched the rooms and tried to figure out what happened. Well, finally, everybody's out there shivering in their pajamas, you know, and they, and they come back in. And uh, when, when we got back in after 45 minutes, I walk into my room and there stood the RA who was in charge of the entire dorm in my room with an angry look on his face. He was ticked. Okay. He was standing over there near my roommate's dresser who was at home. He's the one that went home every weekend. And he had the top drawer pulled open. And he pulls out some firecrackers with some smoke bombs, okay, that my roommate evidently had in there. I didn't know. And he asked me, explain this. 
explain it, he said. Okay? And I couldn't explain it because I didn't even know that they were in there because, and I knew it wasn't us because we were asleep, you know. So anyway, the next morning, I had to report to the Dean of Student Services at 8 a.m., along with my roommate who had made his way in after I called him and told him what an idiot he was. So here we go. We go to the Dean of Student Services, and we receive a strong verbal lashing about the seriousness of our actions, and we were told to come clean. We know you guys did it. Just come clean, you know. And I would, I would just, it made me angry, Okay. We ended up with no punishment because we were innocent, of course. But that RA, he couldn't stand me for some reason. And I don't know why. You know, I didn't know why. But he had it out for me. He didn't like me, and he decided to put the blame on me or my roommate. And, you know, years after that, I didn't like that guy. He was the music minister at a local church. And I thought he was just arrogant and cocky. But over time... I'm just telling you, I had to learn to forgive him because I couldn't stand to look at him for a couple years. And I ended up going to church there and talking to him a little bit, and I just forgave. And I know that's something little, but when I forgave, the bitterness I had for him left me because I didn't feel like it, you know. Um, But forgiveness, guys, listen, it's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. And the second thing I want you to know is this. Many people make this mistake, but forgiveness is not forgetting either. It's not a feeling, and it's not forgetting. Now, listen, it is for God, but it's not for us. I mean, you've heard that it said, you know, forgive and forget, right? You've heard that? God can do that, but guess what? We're not God. Our memory, listen, is our best friend, and it's our worst enemy all at the same time. It's our worst enemy because we can go all the way back to childhood, can't we? And we can remember stuff that people said and stuff that people did that really hurt us. It damaged us. But at the same time, it's our best friend because it has the potential to protect us. Listen, forgiving someone doesn't mean you got to trust them. In fact, sometimes you shouldn't. Wisdom even might say that you shouldn't be in a relationship with that person ever again. Just because we forgive doesn't mean that we have to trust them again. Forgiveness is not saying that what they did was okay. In fact, it's the opposite of that. Forgiveness is saying what you did was not okay. It hurt me deeply. But here's the kicker. I'm giving up my right to retaliate and get even. That's what true forgiveness looks like. I'm not going to pay you back. I'm giving up my right to get even. So let's go back to this story that Jesus is telling. It says the king forgives this man a specific amount of money. And in today's wages, listen, this would be the equivalent of 165,000 years worth of salary. That's a lot of debt wiped clean. Can you imagine being forgiven that much debt and then deciding to go and do what this guy did? I mean, he found someone that owed him three and a half months worth of wages, demands to be repaid, and has him thrown into prison because he can't pay it back. And so there's one simple but yet profound point that Jesus wants Peter in this story and us here at Three Strange Church today to understand. And here it is. You ready? Here's what he wants us to get. I'll never have to forgive someone as much as God has forgiven me. 
you know that? You will never have to forgive someone as much as God has forgiven you. Guys, we've got to stop and think about what all God has forgiven us from in our past. And eventually, all that he will forgive us from in our future. And then we partner with him. And we say, God, I want to take the hurt that I feel to the cross. And I want to lay it down. And I want to send it away. I want to be a forgiven person who in turn forgives other people. You know that many of the kings, when you read through the Old Testament, man, some of them were just wildly reckless and evil and sinful. Even though God had put them on the throne and God had given them power and authority. Paul said in Romans 6 verse 1, he said this, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? And so it's nothing new that people are abusing the grace of God. I mean, there are always people who take God's grace for granted. God will clean out the impurities of their hearts, and then they repay God by putting the impurities right back in there. But there was a young king named King Josiah who was different. You ever heard about him? In 2 Kings 23, it says in verse 25 that never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all of his heart and soul and strength, obeying all of the laws of Moses. And there has never, listen to this, there has never been a king like him since. Never before and never since. Wow. You read that and you go, man, I admire King, King Josiah. That, that was impressive. And we want to live our lives, we want them to matter like King Josiah's mattered. Many of you teenagers in the room, I know you guys are going to camp here. You guys, you want to live your life. You want it to matter. You want your life to count. But listen, if the people you hang out with don't have that same goal, they will drag you down. And I get it. You know, some of you have parents who set a, a poor example for you. You know, maybe you go home and they're drunk every night. But listen, you want to be like King Josiah. And it's tough for you. I get it. Some of you have friends and family members who are abusing the grace of God. I get it. So let me give you the same charge that Paul gave a young guy named Timothy who was struggling with some of the same cultural challenges that we do. And he recorded it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, when he said this, Cling to your faith in Jesus and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their consciences. And as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Hymenaeus and Alexander are two examples. I threw them out and handed them over to Satan so they might learn not to blaspheme God. Guys, I have no idea what Hymenaeus and Alexander did. I just know that they had faith and then they shipwrecked it. And Paul said that he had to hand them over to Satan to be taught a lesson. Listen, I don't want that for any of us. I don't want that for anybody I care about. So, so let's go back to King Josiah and apply this to our lives. Never before had there been a king like him. And I want you to fill in the blanks. 
Never before had there been a blank like blank. And I want you to put in your occupation in the first blank. And then I want you to put your name in the second blank. Okay? Never before had there been a teacher, a doctor, a nurse, an engineer, a lawyer, a factory worker, a construction worker, a stay-at-home mom like them. Guys, that should be our goal. Someone who's sold out to the Lord, and then he uses us to minister wherever we are. Wouldn't that be nice that someday at your funeral, if people could say that about you and mean it? Not just say it to be nice, but they get up just like him. Never before was there a king like King Josiah. Never before was there a teacher like so-and-so. Never before was there a blank like you. Wouldn't that be amazing? So as we close... We just need to take some time this morning and just apologize to God so that we can be forgiven quickly. To say, God, listen, I don't want to shipwreck my faith. I want to grow stronger, and I want to let you lead me. And guys, the promise of 1 John 1.9 is this. It's a promise from God that if we will just confess our sins to him, he's faithful And he is just to forgive our sins and he will clean us from all wickedness. You know what Satan tries to get us to believe? We read that verse and some of you sitting there right now, Satan Satan tries to get you to believe that that applies to everybody in the room but you. It applies to everybody here but you. He will attack us relentlessly with lie after lie trying to get us to believe that you're unforgiven and you're unforgivable. But guys, the truth is you're neither of those. You're neither of those. You are forgiven and you are forgivable. So as the band gets ready to come forward and play this last song, listen, let's not minimize what Jesus did on the cross by choosing behaviors that this world says is okay, but God says they're not good for us. So during this last song, just reflect on Jesus. Just just think about your own life and ask the question, you know, am I guilty of bringing Jesus my worst when what he really deserves is my best? Are you? It's okay. just want you to be real and honest about it. We are here this morning to put the past behind us, to just get right with God and to live a new way. Let's do that today, okay? The band, if you would come forward um, as they do, and we're gonna stand and sing this last song, let's just receive forgiveness so we can in turn forgive, forgive other people. Would you stand? Thanks again for listening in on the Three Strands Podcast. If you've never visited us in person, we'd love to meet you face to face. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. at the McCreary County Park Building. We hope to see you soon.